for joining us today. Happy Mother's Day to those of you who are in that category. There's no better place to be on this day, is there? On behalf of the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education, I'd like to welcome you to the War Memorial Opera House and the San Francisco Ballet Meet the Artist program. My name is Cheryl Osola. I'm a writer for San Francisco Ballet and editor-in-chief of Dance Studio Life magazine. And I am happy to be here today and to have as my guest San Francisco Ballet School Associate Director Patrick Armand. Good afternoon. I'd also like to welcome those of you who tune in to these interviews via podcast at our website. Uh, for all of you future listeners out there, this interview is being recorded on Sunday, May 10th, 2015. Um, along with the podcasts, uh, you'll find all kinds of interesting things at our website, sfballet.org. Uh, just recently, the 2016 repertory was posted, so you might want to take a look. You'll also find uh, the company's blog, Open Studio 455, videos, um, information on events, adult education, and so on. And if you want a little bit more about the Meet the Artist program, you can check page 12 in your program book. And if you're interested in podcasts, there's a little shortcut URL there that you can uh, make it easier on yourself to find them. So, uh, speaking of books, we have a beautiful new art book this season called The Look Book. And um, it's full of uh, portraits by our resident photographer, Eric Thomason. And it's for sale in the ballet shop on the mezzanine level. Um, Patrick is on page 48. He's being very modest here. Uh, and he will be available to sign the lookbook in the ballet shop after this interview until curtain. So you can join him there. I'm going to give you a little bit of intro about Patrick, but honestly, um, it could take like three days to give you all of it. So he was born in Marseille, France. <laughs> No, but you've been busy. He was born in Marseille, France, and he began his training at his mother's ballet school there. He also trained in Cannes at Alabama School of Fine Arts and at the School of American Ballet in New York City after he won a scholarship at the Prix de Lausanne International Ballet Competition at age 15. He began his professional career at Ballet Theatre Francais uh, where he was nominated for a Laurence Olivier Award in 1983 for his performance with Rudolf Nureyev in Maurice Béjart's Songs of Wayfarer. He danced with London Festival Ballet, now English National, uh, where he performed Siegfried in the world premiere of Natalia Makarova's Swan Lake in 1988. And that same year, he was voted uh, best male dancer, or actually best dancer, by the British magazine uh, Dance and Dancers. He joined Boston Ballet in 1990 and also danced as a guest artist in Germany, Russia, and Japan. In 2006, he became a, a uh, teacher and ballet master at La Scala in Milan. And he's been a guest teacher and choreographer around the world. Since 2002, he has directed his mother's school in Marseille. And since 2010, he has been the official male coach and teacher at the Prix de Lausanne. 
he landed at San Francisco Ballet in 2010 as director of the school's trainee program. And in 2012, he was appointed associate director of the school, where he works closely with Helgi Thomason, who is the school's director. And that's not all of it, but that's enough. <laughs> so, Patrick, since your mother had a ballet school, you basically grew up there. When did you know that this was actually your calling? I don't think I've got a special day or anything. I was born in there, and um, since a little kid, I've always been in a ballet studio. And um, seeing my mother teaching, seeing my mother, I've always been inspired by her. And, um, and I love ballet. <laughs> and I had a nice career. I really enjoyed what I, whatever I did, but as soon as I stopped dancing, I really wanted to transmit whatever I learned during my, uh, my career as a dancer. And, um, and, you know, teaching is not something that... Um, just arrived. It's something that, that you want to do from, from a young age. Uh, and as much as I love performing, um, and you know, as a career as a dancer, you know there is an end. <laughs> You're not going to perform for 50 years. Then suddenly I really discovered that my vocation was teaching and I really, really love it. I really enjoy it. So, since it's Mother's Day, I guess I should Actually, ask. Actually, it's not Mother's how, Day. How, uh, no, how was it? Um, having your mother as a teacher. That must have been challenging in some way. It was challenging because whatever, she, if she was in a bad mood, I was always the one um, <laughs> being told off um, because she rather take it on me than other students. Um, but she was somebody really, because she had a private school and she was somebody who was really, um, you know, she prepared the kids to go to a different, to an other level. You know, being in a, in a school not attached to a ballet company, she always uh, formed students, but with the idea for them to, for her to put them in another main school attached to a company. That's what she did with me, and then that's what she took me to the pre uh, that I won in 1980, and then I went to SAB for a few months, and I got a contract, and I, I started my professional career. So was your mother your primary teacher, or you also uh, trained with Rudy Bryan? Yeah, she was my primary teacher. I started with her, but because of some conflict of personalities, <laughs> She believed that I was better off working with somebody else. And at the time in Marseille, we had a, a fantastic, fantastic principal dancer called Rudy Briance, was an amazing dancer, big man, very speed. Um, he had beautiful foot speed, beautiful technique. And Roland Petit created most of his ballet on him, like Lalesienne, uh, Proust. Um, and he was a fantastic dancer. And then I was his first student. He started, he was still dancing, but he took me under his wing and then he coached me for till I, I, I did the Prix de Lausanne. And he won the Nijinsky Prize in 68, I believe. Yeah, yeah. it was an amazing, amazing dancer and person, and it's really, it was an inspiration for me, and I still look up to him. If you're just joining us, I'm in conversation with San Francisco Ballet School Associate Director Patrick Armand. So um, I actually do want to talk to you about influences on you as a teacher, but I want to get to that in a minute. Um, let's stick with performing for the moment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, I mentioned that you danced with Nereyev and, and um, you first encountered him when he cast you to dance with him in Songs of a Wayfarer, which is only two people, so that's kind of a big deal. Um, understandably, you were quite nervous before the premiere. Well, and apparently, I was very, very young. <laughs> and you were very, very young. You told a, an interesting story about this when the Nureyev exhibit was happening at the De Young, there was a little panel discussion, yeah. and you told a story about what happened on dress rehearsal day. 
But before I get to that, you know, Noyev was unbelievable because he always, all the way through his career, and especially on his older years, he always get um, possibility and a chance to younger dancer to uh, to perform and then to put them in, to drive them to a career. Um, and um, I was in Nancy, and then we were doing that program with Song of Wayfarer. And um, at that point, it was a, a guest artist from, from Béjar, Daniel Omel, who come and do the performances. And suddenly, you know, we did like a tour for like a month. And then at the end of that tour, he came to me and said, you know, I want you to do that ballet. And I was just like taken by shock. I was like, I was 17, I couldn't believe it. Especially that's a beautiful ballet for two men. Um, and it's mainly the story of Song of Wayfarer. It's like I'm, I was going to be the conscious of Noyev, who was like 20 years older than me. And, uh, and it was really, at the beginning, I couldn't really understand why. But then he made, he made, made it clear for me that it was a good idea, obviously. Um, and it was, I mean, that transformed me, that changed my entire um, approach to ballet and, my, um, and it changed my career too. But to come back to the, the first performance, my first performance was uh, in 1983 at Théâtre des Champs-Élysées. And, um, and, you know, Rudolf done that ballet, which was created for him like 10 years before. And you know, it just didn't appear for the dress rehearsal. Then I ended up doing that dress rehearsal by myself on stage. <laughs> With, I mean, it, it's a pallet, then it was a solo by myself. And suddenly I just freaked out. I remember like after that dress rehearsal going to, into the shower. And I mean, I stayed in that shower for an hour. I couldn't get out thinking, what am I going to do tonight? But actually it went really well. And, um, and he was very generous with me. It was really wonderful. Well, you, you mentioned that he definitely nurtured young dancers, but that he also tested them a little bit. And that was a way of testing you, perhaps? Absolutely. You know, obviously, when you, when you start a career as a ballet dancer, even if you're 16 or 17, your maturity needs to be really... Um, you cannot expect people to do things for you. You've got to, to be driven. You've got to know what you want. And I think testing me to that dress also, I just wanted to see what was I going to do. And um, it was a test, but you know, it, it went. You know, I just did my thing by myself, and <laughs> hopefully, thinking that it'll be good on the night. Um, one of the things that you also mentioned in that discussion was that Nureyev tended to make things as difficult as possible in his choreography because he always wanted to push the dancers yeah. to improve. And no one was ever allowed to change anything. Um, and Mathilde Frusti has mentioned that that's still true at Paris Opera Ballet, where they do a large amount of Nureyev's repertory. Um, you know, that's pretty unusual. Usually, you know, dancers are allowed to say change the direction of a turn or something to accommodate, you know, what's best for them. But you couldn't do that with Rudolf because he did everything right and left. I mean, you had no choice to decide, can I, do, can I do everything to the right or can I do everything to the left? Everything is mainly on both sides. It's very challenging because most of the dancers, we've got a much better side than, than another one. But with him, you, you can, you had to do everything. But I think it was something, it was very clever because the, the older you get, you've got to keep working on your technique on an everyday basis. And, you know, working on the technique, it's not working on the thing you can do, it's really working on the thing you cannot do to become a complete dancer and a complete artist, then um, I think that was his vision that, you know, as long as your career goes, it doesn't matter how big your name is, you still got to work, you still got to work on things you cannot do. And uh, that was very clever. That's what he did all the way through his career, too. If you're just coming in, I'm chatting with uh, San Francisco Ballet School Associate Director Patrick Armand. Um, 
So, uh, you know, towards the end of your training, um, you mentioned that you got a little restless. You were ready to get out there and dance, and you were, um, you know, yeah. just struggling with, with the rigor of it all. No, um, yes, when I won the pre, you know, I got that scholarship, but, you know, already at 15, um, I felt I, I just wanted to perform. I, I didn't want to take class. I just wanted to go on stage and dance. Then I did a few months in, uh, in uh, SAB, and then I just went back to France, and then did a few months in Cannes, and then I decided I, I auditioned, and I got a contract when I was 16. But now, as a teacher, you do encourage your students to stay the course until you know, they're, they're yeah, I completely it's, it's, ready. How it's do you... It's a little bit different for everybody. You right. know, it all depends on maturity. You've got people who are mature at a very young age, and if their technique is sustaining that maturity, then you know they've got to go, because the youngest you start, the longest your career is going to be. It's a bit more difficult nowadays. Right, right. So, so if someone is, is struggling with the idea of finishing training, and they really do need to spend another year or so, how, how, do, you, how do you encourage them to, to stick with it? I mean, talking to them, and they've got to know that whatever I'm going to tell them, or whatever I'm going to do, it's for their best um, interest. And, uh, and as I'm taking every student as a different student, we all different person, we all react differently, we all do things differently, and then I've got to be aware of the people I'm working with. Then, you know, that depends on their maturity, that depends on their, on their approach to the ballet, and, and really, you know, you've got to be driven, you've got to have that faith in ballet, you've, you, you've got to have that love. And if you've got that, it's, I find it very easy to, to do. So in, in terms of um, students' potential to become professional dancers, um, of course there's natural facility, of course there's physical training, but you've really emphasized the importance of training the brain. Okay. That you know, there really is a huge mental component to this. So how can dancers, um, how can teachers work with students to help them learn to use what they've got? the best way possible. But I believe you've got to inspire them, but you know, it's not enough to just be ballet oriented. You know, whatever you do in your life is going to be an inspiration to what you're going to perform because really performing, it's like expressing yourself, it's bringing to an audience whatever you've got inside you. Then the more um, outside interest you've got, I find it's, it's, a, it's a great uh, plus, you know, uh, reading, going to, the, to see the shows. Uh, I mean, we're all different too. That depends on what you like to do outside the ballet, but you cannot just like close yourself in just ballet, ballet, ballet all the time because then you're going to be very limited in what you can. Uh, I suppose performing, you, you express yourself on stage. You, the more, the wider experience you've got in life, then the more you've got to tell, the more you've got to give to people. So when you talk about, about training the brain, is it, is it a matter of self-awareness in terms of, of what you need psychologically and emotionally, or is, is that part of how you're using your body in its best form? No, first, you know, when you want to do ballet, it's something that you cannot explain, you really want to do it, then you've got a driven force in you that you want to have that career. Then after that, it's all going to depend what the people inspiring you, what the people training you, it's, it's, but again, it's different on each individual, individual I find. So, um, you know, as these students mature and they get to the point where they're ready to transition into a company, um, 
it's, it's a little bit like leaving the fold. They've had a lot of support. They've had teachers behind them really nurturing and encouraging them. It can be a little bit frightening uh, and difficult to come into a company where you're essentially a little fish in a big pond. Yeah. How, do, do, you, do you work with them on that? Do you ever have to counsel them in that transition? No, the thing what we've got, what the thing with grading the school, it's like we've got the school and then what we've called the training program. And the training program, the training program is really a bridge between a school and a company. What's happening when you're in school, you're taking class with like only like 14 other people or 15 maximum in a class. Uh, you've got your teacher really constantly on top of you, telling you what to do, telling you what not to do. But what I'm trying to do myself, it's like you, you cannot expect people to do things for you. They've got to have that, that drive. Again, it's a drive that they've got to have a mentor that they want it. And what's good with the training program, it's like for a year or two, those kids are part of the school, but they're already working with the company. And then, um, because, you know, the ballet world, we've got an, an idea of, um, it's kind of a, a Walt Disney world, you know, you go on stage and it's performing and it's beautiful and it's costume and it's beautiful music, but it's a much harder work than that because, you know, there is a lot of competition, there is a lot of, um, and you've got to understand, once you get into a company, the fact of being surrounded by, by your teacher and being told off, it's finished. You've got to be doing it yourself, and you've got to show the director of a company that you're ready to do what he's asking you to do. Then the training program is really, I find it's a fantastic program that Helgi did like 10 years ago or 12 years ago. It's really, really getting those kids ready to be, to be able to function in a ballet company without having the shock of going from a school where you're very protected, very nurtured, and then when you get into a company, and then you know, you're an adult, even if you're only 17, you've got to, to react as a professional, as a, as a young adult. And the training program, I find it's, um, before that I saw so many times in, in, in my career, I see some beautiful um, students getting into a company at a very young age, but I've been, having no experience how to function by themselves, and then suddenly it takes them two years to really be able to function properly in a valley company. With those kids coming through the training program, by the time they get into the company, they're already ready. And it's a huge plus, a huge one. How, how was that transition for you? How big was the company you went into? And, and was it a pretty, you know, welcoming environment? Or Yeah, it was. I mean, I was, the, I was 16 then. I mean, I was kind of the, the baby from the company and everybody was very nice with me. And, um, and I got very lucky because I got straight away soloist role to do. Um, but I was really... Um, I was ready for it, mentally. I, was, I, I knew I wanted that, I wanted to do it then. I mean, I, I never expected for somebody to do something for me. I was ready, I was um, prepared mentally and physically. I see a few latecomers. Uh, I'm chatting with uh, San Francisco Ballet School Associate Director Patrick Armand. Um, so, you know, of, of all the teachers you worked with and, or were exposed to if you didn't work with them directly, um, who stands out to you as being most influential? Well, first Rudy, that we just talked, Rudy Briance, and then the other Rudolf, um, because he did, um, because I, I danced with him for at least two or three years on tour, and he always called me back to do um, Noyev in France and to do some performances with him. Then, you know, seeing him, the way he functioned, the way he was driven by the ballet, the way he was working hard on an everyday basis really inspired me and then made me, believe, made me understand that if you want it, you know, you never arrived. You've got to keep working all the way through your career. 
And after that, uh, after Nancy, I, um, I went to London. And um, I always, since a little kid, I always wanted to go and dance in London. I always wanted to be in London. And uh, for me, that was the achievement. And I must say there, um, my director was Peter Scharfus, who was a fantastic dancer from the Danish school. And, you know, I joined the company at 19. And again, I was a work in process. And uh, the same thing. And Peter was still dancing when I joined the company. And his ethic was unbelievable because the guy was performing almost every night, but he was there in class every day, coaching during the day, putting on his production. And I realized that, you know, if you want to do something, work is the thing. You've got to keep working. Um, and he had a fantastic technique, beautiful, clean, and proper clinic, uh, technique. And, and I learned a lot from him technique on a technique basis. And then after I'd. Um, in London, I had uh, somebody who really inspired me and who was a fantastic coach was an, um, a man called David Wall, who was a principal with Royal Ballet, and he was an amazing person. And I remember seeing a ballet called Myerling when I was very young. And um, for me, suddenly, everything, everything went, was right, because it was an acting ballet. And then suddenly, watching that ballet, I realized that Dancing is not only dancing, you know, you've got to be able to act, you've got to be able to be a personage. And it was amazing for that because suddenly you were not watching a ballet, you were watching really a, a complete art form. Uh, you were not aware about the steps, you were aware of that artist on stage expressing and, and being an, an amazing uh, performer. Any, any particular approaches uh, from your teachers that you find yourself doing? As we get older, we start to do things our parents did, which we said we'd never do. Is it the same thing with your teachers? What do you mean? <laughs> are, are there things you encountered as a student from your teachers that now you find yourself doing as a teacher yourself? Yeah, I do, and there are things I don't do either. <laughs> um, no, it's... it's I just, when I teach somebody, I, I, I'm here to help. I want to help as much as I can, but I realize that as much help I can give, it's up to them to do the job. Then what I'm really telling them, it's like, do what you need to do. Do, be, integ have integrity in your, in your approach to ballet. Don't cheat, don't, just be true to yourself and true, true to the art form. I find that really important. Well, the students are actually getting ready to put their art form on the stage, yes. uh, May 20th through 22nd, down at Yerba Buena Center Theater. Um, so you're in the throes of that. And one of the, one of the works that the upper level students are doing um, is uh, Sir Kenneth Macmillan's Soiree Musicale, which this will be its US premiere, so it's a big deal. Um, and Macmillan was known um, for his sort of psychological approaches in his ballets. He really explored the human condition and, and the human struggle. Um, I suspect that's not the case in this ballet since it was made to celebrate Dame Nanette Voila's 90th birthday. birthday yeah. But what can you tell us about it and why is it important for your students to do it? A, because I love Macmillan. He's one of my favorite choreographers. And second, I was trying to find some, you know, it's very difficult to find rep for the school because, you know, the student, you've got to find some appropriate ballet for them to do, but you still want to challenge them as much as you can. And suddenly, uh, because um, my past with London and all that, and I, I, I danced quite a lot of Macmillan, and I was quite friend with Lady Macmillan, I did get, she gave me the ballet, who was fantastic. 
but the, the point with Macmillan, it's, it's, it's a classical piece, but there is a twist of it. It's, um, it's not completely classical, and what Macmillan does, there is a lot of upper body, there is a lot of softness in the dancing that, um, that I thought it was very challenging for the kids because, you know, when you're in school, you know you just do the steps, but you want somebody to challenge them to go over the technique and to be able to, to be different, not to be doing what they do all the time. And it's a very, very classical ballet, and it's very quick, very... Um, the footwork is amazing, it's, it's beautiful choreography, but then you cannot do that ballet like you do any other ballet. It's got to be done the way Macmillan saw things. Then I've got Julie Lincoln here to, to, to coach the ballet, and I, in three rehearsals I could see the difference, it was quite amazing. But, and that's something that the students are going to carry the rest of their career, to be able to do something at that young age, a ballet from Kenneth Macmillan, is, um, is, is a huge challenge for them. And I think it will be so ben beneficial, beneficial for them for the rest of a career because you know, whatever you dance, you cannot be the same person. Each ballet's got a different way to do. You cannot dance um, a balancing like you dance a Macmillan. You cannot dance um, Petit Pas like you're going to dance McGregor. I mean, that's an obvious, um, that's a little bit much, but, um, but you know what you want to do whenever you're going to perform a ballet, you want to be a different person. You want to be a different uh, personage. And even in abstract ballet, I find it's very important to do that abstract ballet the way the choreographer wants it. And, um, and to give them diversity, to, to be able to do anything. He mentioned Julie Lincoln, and she's actually a dance notator who was there when the ballet was created. So, um, you know, it's as close to the original as we can get, bringing, oh, yeah. her, bringing her in. I'm gonna open this up to questions now. Um, I do ask one question per person, and please speak up. Anyone? Yes. Sorry, I'm not. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, and I do so, have a sister, and she's actually in charge of the ballet school now because I'm in San Francisco. She took over from, I took over from my mom and she took over from me. Can, can you repeat that because we overlapped there? So you have a sibling? Yeah, I do have a sister. And she's directing the school now? She took over the school okay. now, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, the question was um, if he had any experience with Nijinsky. He did not dance with the Ballet Russe, we'll just clarify that. He danced with Rudolf Nureyev, but, but not at the Ballet Russe. But I did off, a lot of rep from the Ballet Russe. I did yeah. Petrushka, I did Lebiche, I did um, Spectre de la Rose, I did quite a lot. But no, I was, I mean, Nijinsky, of course I was inspired, but Nijinsky, I mean, I wasn't really inspired. I was fascinated by this story and by, but you know, I never had a chance neither to see him perform or, or but, but I was fascinated by, by when I was a kid. Yeah, of course, of course, absolutely. As a student, how did you balance academics and dance? <laughs> It was difficult. <laughs> but actually, I was lucky because I had a year in advance in school, then I could graduate when I was 16, just before I got over my contract. But, um, but I did it really to please my mom, and especially my dad. <laughs> because I was allowed to do ballet only if I could, I'd like, 
good marks in, in school, but um, then I did it really to please them. I didn't have any, I mean, to tell you honestly, um, I never wanted to do anything else than ballet. And I was lucky that my body sustained the, 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 the work and everything. I didn't get injured, I didn't get, um, but as, as an educator, I, I do make sure that all the kids, because you know, ballet is something, you know, anything could happen to you. You could cross the street and get hit by a car and then suddenly you've got a broken leg, you don't know what's going to happen. Then obviously, uh, education is extremely important. And it's not only important in case you've got a problem, it's important for you to develop your brain and then to be able to, to have a different vision and not to be stuck into a, as I say, a closed mind ballet. You know, ballet needs to be open. You've got to have an open mind, you've got to have an open ears, you've got to have open eyes. It's something that you learn every day. And the more education you've got, the more, the more prepared you are to get all those information, I find. But if I'm really honest, my education, I, don't, I didn't really care. I just wanted to dance. <laughs> At the time, but now you know. Okay. Now I know, and that's not something I will tell my student. I hope there is none there. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not listening, we hope. Okay, yes. Okay, the question is whether he's uh, been inclined to explore other dance forms like folkloric forms, African dance and so on. I mean, all, I find dance is a universal language then. I mean, you know, of course I'm inspired by all, but my, my thing, me, I mean, the thing I love the most, it's ballet. Then I was really, um, um, I never thought I could dance I mean, I wasn't, it's not I wasn't into folkloric dancing, but you know, I was so driven to do ballet because I love that art form. But yes, you, I get inspired watching any kind, of, any kind of ballet, but myself, I was a kind of a burnhead, you know, I wanted to do ballet. I really, um, I love all the story ballet, I love all the full-length ballet, um, and I wanted to be able to express myself on stage in that technique, in the, um, something that I could relate to. Um, and because I was born in, in that, environment, you know, um, I never felt really, um, I never felt that I needed more. I mean, I was really fulfilled with, by, with what I'm doing. But yeah, it's an inspiration. Any kind of dancing, you know, you can, watching any kind of dancer or any kind of dancing is going to be important because it's going to open your eyes and find something that you would never have thought that you can use for yourself. And it's more European-based, but there are, there are folkloric-type dances in character dance classes in the school. Yeah, and of yeah. course, the students are also given a broader exposure contemporary, by with contemporary uh, movement, too. Yeah. yeah, the more diverse you are, the better dancer you're going to be, because you can use all those techniques, technique for the technique you want to, to, to do. Um, you know, any kind of contemporary, any kind of character dancing, any kind of dancing is going to be... Uh, you're going to find a way to move different that you can use for your, because what you want to do when you're a dancer, you want to be individual. You don't want to look like the next dancer to you. Then whatever is going to help you to achieve that is very important. They are getting ready to open the house, so we're gonna have to cut this short. Actually, we're going a little long, so you're not getting cheated here. Thank you all for uh, well, being more, here very more. much. No, I'm, no I'm we really don't have time, I'm sorry. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you, Patrick, for Pleasure being here. And enjoy the performance. Enjoy.